friends, this is Susan. And this is Katie. And welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. And today we are in for a treat. I tell you, we are listening to her story for the last few minutes, and it has gotten me so excited about um, the perspective that it's going to lend to many of our listeners. And I just think it's fantastic. And Katie today is going to introduce our guest. And um, I want you to know, get somewhere where you are comfortable, get a warm cup of coffee or tea, and sit back and listen to Alma's story because it's going to be pretty powerful. So Katie, why don't you introduce Alma to us? Her name is Alma Ruth, and she is originally from Monterey, Mexico, a lover of people from different cultures and languages, and a recent legal immigrant to the United States. Today, she resides with her two special needs boys in McAllen, Texas, working and serving among asylum seekers and international communities at the Mexico-Texas border. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so blessed to be with you guys, and I am so blessed to share with you what God is doing in his mercy and in his goodness for multiple international communities in our borderland region. I I can't wait to hear all the details. Gwen gets to interview our guests beforehand, and she tells us, oh, you're going to love this one. Um, But we don't know the details. So if you don't mind just starting right out with, what was it like growing up as an evangelical Christian in northern Mexico? It was so enriching. You know, it really makes you think about your faith. Why do you believe this way? Why do you do that? Because one part of the generation of Mexican missionaries that is serving in a global context. And and so that really enriches your perspective on on learning about your faith, learning about the Holy Scriptures, and and how to communicate properly about your faith. Because um, 30 years ago, the gospel, as you and I know it, it wasn't as common as it is now. Now Latin America has a high percentage of Christian evangelical people. And even among the Catholic Church, the charismatic movement is very, very strong. But 30, 40 years ago, it wasn't anything like that. And so uh, that is a, a very shaping opportunity for us and for our faith. You know, to know about your faith. Why do you believe in the way you do? Uh, why do you worship this way? Why do you believe in the scriptures this way? And, and so it's a beautiful opportunity to learn more about Jesus, to learn more about the scriptures, to be very biblical, a lot of biblical emphasis in your faith. You have to, we have to answer according to the scriptures. We believe in this because the Bible says it. And so... It was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. I am so blessed and so honored that I grew up in a in a Christian evangelical home. That's awesome. That's so good. Now, you at, at when you were um, going to school, you transferred from your English as a second language studies at the university um, in Monterey, Mexico, to attend Bible College. So, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I was, I always like English. English has been the tool the Lord has used to open the doors of the world for me. I loved English. I was very young. I was uh, 10, 11 years old when I heard another language. And then when I started my seventh grade in Mexico, in many parts of uh, Latin America, 
um, in, are you there? Yes, we're yes, here. In, in, in many parts of Latin America, uh, we have no many contacts with foreigners. But in, in starting seventh grade, you have the opportunity to learn English. And I remember the first day my seventh grade English teacher came in and speaking English. And I was fascinated. Oh, she's speaking in another language and you can communicate. And, and that has been the tool the Lord has used for me to, to serve in another nations, in another countries and, and with other cultures. Um, I remember we were in Slovakia, in Western, Western Slovakia. They didn't speak Spanish. Then speak English, and we had to try to communicate, and it was fascinating. And uh, in Slovakia, we use more Spanish than English to communicate with our host. And then we were in Bethlehem, and we use more Spanish than English to communicate with our friends there. So you know, it is amazing what languages can do. So I strongly recommend if you like one language, just study, just. Uh, practice with Duolingo and and even if you try, you know, to learn or you speak with an accent, you know, we love when we hear an American trying to speak Spanish with a cute gringo accent <laughs> and I think it's just fascinating, you know, and uh, and so for me, it was English. English has been the tool that the Lord has used to open the doors for scholarship. I transferred from university. I was studying on my bachelor's for English Spanish translation. And then I transferred to an Assemblies of God Bible College because the questions I was being addressed with at the, at the university were really tough. And I had no clue how to answer about the translation from the Bible and about these, all these theological, ethical questions. And so that really sparkled in my heart and my spirit to learn more about, about the Lord and about his word. And so that's the reason why I transferred to a Bible college in my, in my city, in my hometown. Monterey, which is the biggest, one of the biggest cities in the northeastern part of the country. It's wow. Mexico City, Guadalajara, and Monterey. It's around five, six million people. Oh, my goodness. It's a big town. Yeah, it's a big town. So uh, we uh, started there, and that changed my life, you know, about, you know, going up, working during the day and going to school at night and learning from wonderful professors about your faith and about the scriptures and, uh, and about theology mm-hmm. and about biblical studies. So it's equivalency of a bachelor's in biblical studies. Unfortunately, a lot of the biblical education institutions in Latin America or outside the West are not there at the level um, to validate validate your studies uh, to go to seminary. So I am redoing all my, my bachelor's in biblical studies in McAllen. For the first time, this part of the border has uh, an accredited Bible college and seminary. So oh, that's beautiful. It, yes, it's our first year. So I'm enrolled as a student for a bachelor's in biblical studies here in McAllen, Texas, Star, Star College and Seminary. So I love everything, that. Everything again, all my studies in English. And wow. I took an Old Testament class that this semester and tried to pronounce all those names in English. It's quite a trip. But I that's love it. beautiful, I though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Like you're speaking in tongues all over again, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us what you're yeah. doing now in McAllen, Texas. 
Well, we have resumed after a severe um, family changes. Uh, my boys and I have resumed uh, missionary service at the border, serving among international communities. Uh, near us, I'm on McAllen, Reynosa. McAllen is the American town, the border town. The Mexican side is Reynosa. And then you travel along towards the Gulf, and you have Brownsville is on the American side, and then you have Matamoros. Well, in Matamoros is where you have, we have our very own refugee camp. In this case, asylum seekers are people from Central America that are fleeing incredible danger, horrific stories, and they travel by land from the Northern Triangle of, this, of the Central American region, uh, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, a lot of Cubans, uh, and they travel with the hope to um, request asylums into the United States. For the recent change in policies with the current administration, we have MPP, Migrant Protection Program, which keeps them in the Mexican side, which is very dangerous. Any border is dangerous on the Mexican side, all along the border, from Texas to California. On the Mexican side, that's controlled by cartels. As you know, all those horror stories that you hear on the news. And so it's a very dangerous path for them to be. And the majority of these people are women and children. And it's something that is very important that I want to point out is a lot of them, hundreds and hundreds of women and children are conservative Christian evangelicals from Central America. Wow. You will find their Bibles in their tents. I will send you some pictures if somebody is interested in seeing uh, what we see. They live on tents, on the dirt, on a park, right across the border into Matamoros from Brownsville, Texas. And they have been there for almost a year now, a lot of them. They go to the river, the Rio Grande River, which is contaminated and dirty, and they go take showers there. They go and do their laundry there. Um, there's hundreds of children. There's hundreds of infants. That we calculate that is around 24 to 2,600 people living at the camp. Ooh. And thank, thanks be to God, there's a lot of organizations that are doing an amazing job there. Uh, Team Brownsville Resource Center, Global Response Management, UNICEF was there before COVID, um, and some other uh, organizations. For me, it is I am focusing a missional initiative to listen to their stories, to pray for them by name, to validate their dignity. By, by getting to know them, by, by a relational. You know, you and I talk about our faith, about having a relationship with the Lord. And that's how we communicate in our faith. Well, I think we should do the same for the people that we serve. In this case, for me, is something that the Lord has guided me to develop. It is a missional initiative that is relational. I go to their tents, tent by tent. I write down their name. I write down their prayer requests. I write down the names of their children and their ages. And I ask them what is um, that they need the most. And you'll be amazed that they don't ask for the first time. Ask after, you know, and I ask them, they start to tell me their story, you know, how their brother was killed, how, you know, their little nephew was killed by cartels, by gangs, by whatever, you know, how... Um, human traffickers 
prey on them because of the broken immigration system that they, that we have. And, and so it is it is fascinating uh, to be there and, and to see them as equal and to not apply the classic white savior approach that I'm here and I'm going to help you because you need help. No, I bring my chair and I sit with them and I listen to their stories and I bring a few toys for the boys. And right now we are into sandals and Andes for the girls at the camp. So we are doing a fundraising for that. And um, they started to come to me and, and they said, do you think it would be possible because to bring, uh, to get some sandals, you know, because they walk on the dirt. It is a big, it's like a refugee camp. It is a refugee camp. It's thousands of people there with limited resources, you know, and they have the different nonprofits and, and organizations are there, you know, um, uh, Christian ministry provides wood for them to cook and provides water for drink, to drink. And they provide tents for them to live on tents on the dirt for months and months and months at a time. And so... Uh, and this is, is on the American side. This is in Texas. On the Mexican side. The they Mexican don't allow side. them on the American uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, the so this is on the Mexican side right at the border. Right at the river, right at the river. You'll see, you'll see border patrol uh, vehicles along the river. You know, how, that, how often would you say you go over there? I go every Monday. So you wow. guys can pray for me on Mondays. Every Monday I spend my day there uh, from 10 to 10, visiting the people that I already know and making new friends. I am focusing on women that are traveling by themselves with their children who are extremely vulnerable. They usually have their husbands in the States sometimes. Uh, sometimes they travel on their own. Sometimes they are one-parent families. Uh, but I'm focusing on women from Central America and children, of course, and also on indigenous people from Southern Mexico. Uh, Mexico has a great diversity on um, ethnicities that we have. You know, we have all these Mayan descents, Aztec descents, and so many languages. And unfortunately, they are some of the ethnicities that are most neglected. Well, at the camp, they are extremely um, vulnerable because they don't, a lot of them don't speak Spanish fluently. So I am locating them uh, to see how they're doing, if their children have enough food, if they know the resources that they can have access at the camp because there's a small clinic attended now that COVID um, has hit and the global pandemic has changed our normality. Um, there's some Cuban doctors who are asylum seekers, which are refugees from Central America, that are at the camp. So they, they have a small clinic for emergencies there. They have a small hospital for global response management at the camp ready to, you know, to serve. Uh, and so they are very vulnerable. But in the midst of this darkness and very dark situation, you can see Bibles and New Testament in people's tents. They, when you pray for them, like I would pray Psalm 91 over them, they start repeating it with me. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes at late at night when, I, when I'm running late on my schedule and I'm living at dark, you can see little house churches in their tents 
different pastors from El Salvador, from Guatemala, from Nicaragua, giving little services all around the refugee camp. People gathering to sing their songs, uh, gathering to pray, and the pastor will preach. And the pastor is a refugee himself. And so it's fascinating to see how faith endures hardship and how faith uh, and persecution will always purify the church. That's why when I served in Cuba, uh, I, I strongly believe that Cubans will be some of the best missionaries to, to be sent forth when Cuba will be free because they have faced everything. They have faced communism. They have faced strong witchcraft through Santeria. They have faced so many things but their faith has endured. It's the same with the Central American people. It's amazing. It's amazing. They, like last night, I was leaving. I, I stopped to pray on my last tent. There's three families that I pray for. They have small children, uh, two from El Salvador, another from Honduras. And okay, I'm going to pray for you guys. And um, is there anything in a specific? He said, no, we're Okay. And we fix you some banana, fried bananas for you to eat. It's like, no, 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 I don't want to take your food, please. No, it's a gift from us. And so I have to sit down and eat their fried bananas, right? And you pray with all your might that the Lord will protect you, right? Uh, and, and so it's, um, I bring my water, I bring my chair, I bring my hand sanitizer, I bring my mask, my gloves, you know. But the physical presence of going every week to pray for them, to say, you're important, we care for you. There's hundreds of people in the United States, hundreds of Christian women, hundreds of women of faith that are praying for you, makes a deep impact on their faith, on their dignity, on their encouragement, that gives them strength to keep going. That's right. Yes, let me, let me tell you, you know, when women stop doing their job of being a mom, being a wife, being a daughter, being a student, being whatever we are called to be, the world will fall apart. Mm. If we lose hope, if we give up, if we fall into depression, if we fall into despair, the world will be over. Mm. The Lord has gifted women with such a strength, <laughs> with such a resilience, that we don't know how strong we are until we face hell in front of us and we depend on our faith to keep going. And, and we, until then, we, we don't know how strong we are. We don't know how we made it that, on that time. And so for me, it has been a blessing. And yeah. I lived for two summers in Honduras. So I know the general situation in Central America. And I lived on and off in Cuba, serving in Cuba as well. And so I'm fully aware of the realities that they're talking about. And I can relate and I can ask questions about the realities. And I've been in Chiapas, which is the Mexican state bordering Guatemala, where they have a high density of indigenous population. So I can see them from where they're from. I can locate what region of the country they're in. Uh, if they speak enough Spanish or not. And that gives me an opportunity to help them better, to guide them where to go, uh, to pray for their children, and to be there for them. Amma, that's amazing. That's absolutely beautiful. beautiful. It really is. I love the... Um, I love the imagery of you sitting and talking to them and listening to them and hearing their stories. 
and showing them just a beautiful amount of dignity that they so much deserve. Um, now tell me this, how can people help you? How can we help you? How can our listeners help you? What is something that you may need that we are able to help with? Absolutely. We urgently need help. We are an emerging nonprofit. We are an emerging uh, ministry that we are defragmenting and rebuilding, uh, my voice and I. And uh, we, first of all, pray partners. You know, if you would like to pray for us, the border is an interesting place to be based out of, to live. And so your prayers can literally save our lives as we go back and forth in the border. Mm. Uh, border towns on the Mexican side are very dangerous. And we are aware of that. We are very aware of that. Uh, so first of all, prayer partners that can save our lives, that can commit to pray for us. And of course, you know, benefactors and sponsors, you know, if you would like to, instead of my Starbucks today, I would like to donate my coffee to you once a month. We would deeply appreciate that. And I need help to launch my internet page. So if there's somebody that, is, that knows is savvy about blogs or web pages that can give me a, a crash course on how to do that uh, so we can get the word out for donations. That will be awesome. You know, everything, that. because we don't have much of a budget, we are rebuilding our missionary uh, structure. We are rebuilding our missionary um, budget. So, um, so far, what are we doing is we're giving out of our uh, groceries, out of our, you know, we're giving out cooking oil. We're giving out cookies for my boys, you know, toys for my boys. Uh, so if you would like to donate, you know, I can sponsor one pair of undies for one of the girls there. That'd be that. awesome. So how you can know? they get in touch with you in order to be able to either donate or to be able to help you with your webpage? How would somebody um, connect with you? Yes, my email is alma, A-L-M-A, at love, L-O-V-E, dash, mercy, M-E-R-C-Y, dot org. Perfect. And our ministry is based out of Micah, the book of Micah 6, 8, for the Lord has asked you what he requires of you, to uh, justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before the Lord. And this has been, uh, for the past eight years, developing in my heart to show mercy. And the name of our nonprofit is called Practice Mercy. And that is, uh, what are we doing? You know, and it's, uh, as an immigrant, you know, I could be in their shoes. I could be in the tent with my children. That's in right. In this case, my boys are U.S. born. And because where you're born, you know, and but as a, as a bicultural, bilingual um, missionary and also an immigrant that has served in another, in another countries, you know, um, there's a verse in, in the last book of the Bible, uh, in Revelation 7, 9, that it says, And I saw before the throne people from all languages, all tribes, you know, and that's the ethnos, the ethnicity, the diversity. God has created all humans, and I just said in the U.S. Constitution, equal. You know, I have no right to show up at the camp. Oh, here I am, super girl. I'm super chick to save you. No, I'm just yeah. one of you. In this case, um, I love Jesus. 
and I want to love you and I want to know your story and the importance of me knowing your story so I can share your story. And that will give me a moral authority to say, we need an immigration reform because this is what's happening in our southern border. We need an immigration reform because this is what happened to me as a, as a, a very, very recent immigrant. As a female immigrant with two U.S. born, I was married in the United States for almost 20 years. My two boys were born in the United States, but yet I did not receive my permanent residency automatically. It's not automatic. So it is a very complex situation about immigration. Oh, they shouldn't do it legally. Well, there's, sometimes there's not a way to do it legally. And, and so that is uh, very important for us to keep in mind that uh, it's not what is seen and to get educated regarding that. But your help will make a huge difference for us. And, and I strongly believe that ministries and organizations led by women have the opportunity to practice compassion, to practice dignity. That's right. Practice uh, empathy and, and mercy in a different way. Yeah. Because we are wired differently. When we see a baby barefoot on the dirt with a saggy diaper, he gets us because we think he could be my boy, mm-hmm. he could be my girl, you know. And, and so that that's the beauty of being made female, you know, with emotions and hormones and all of that. We're able to perceive the world as broken as the Lord sees us. And what can we do about it? You know, and, and so many times, you know, and, and you and I can make a huge difference. In this case, it's just me because nobody else um, wants to go with me because it's risky, it's freaky, it's smelly, and it's not cute, you know, and it's not a cute ministry to be along, you know, among poverty and among dirt and among danger. But it's a beautiful opportunity to shine the Lord, the light of Jesus. It's a beautiful opportunity to show the world. And, you know, in the gospel, it says, and when you do your good deeds, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's right. And, and that, is a, that is a wonderful opportunity that we have to show. I'm loving you because I love Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm here. And that's the difference between charity and ministry. That's, that's a right. huge difference. I do this. Because I love Jesus. And, and, you know, God is always faithful, but his people are not always faithful. That's right. You know, missionaries, faith-based missionaries like me, we depend on the body of Christ to help us keep going. So I can pay my rent in my apartment, so I can have gas in my car. And so that is, your participation is equally important. Your prayers are equally, even no more important, so I can continue doing my job. I don't mind going to an hour, drive an hour and a half, park my car, walk across the International Bridge. I go through Mexican customs. The soldiers are there. The Amer- Mexican customs are there. They go through my backpack. Why are you taking all this? Why are you taking so many sandals? Why are you taking food? Why are you doing this? Mexican customs, Mexican immigration ask me all those questions. When I return on the International Bridge back to the United States, American Customs asked me the same questions. What are you doing in Matamoros? Why are you here? Why do you have bags? Why do you do that? 
I go through double interrogations, double scrutiny on a Monday, heavily. You know, and so your prayers and your support will make a huge difference. So we can continue so good. doing that. Elma, if you if people wanted to go with you, can they? I mean, could they just come and yeah. go over there with you? Yeah, yeah, because now, of course, a lot of volunteers have stopped doing that because they were coming from very infected areas with COVID. But if you would like to come and see, taking all the precautions, please do. You guys can uh, contact me by email. You can come and see for a weekend. I live an hour from South Padre Island, which is a very nice place. <laughs> Okay, we can swing by at the beach if you want to, but it is very important. You know, I think that's why photography is so important because you can see with your eyes what is this. You know, and, and people in the United States don't know that we have we have created our very own refugee camps along the border. We have one in Matamoros, Mexico. We have one in Juarez, Mexico. We have one in Tijuana, Mexico that I know of. I have been the one in Tijuana and I'm, I've been in the Reynosa one and I have been one in, uh, in Matamoros. And so, uh, yes, please come and see me. You can stay with me. You guys, we can, you know, uh, we can get in an Airbnb and we can go and I can take you and I can introduce you to my friends there. And, and legally we can cross back and forth in the border as yeah. long as you had a passport? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Now, uh, visitors cannot come into the United States, as far as I know, because of the, of the virus, of the pandemic. But American citizens and legal immigrants are able to cross back into the United States. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, me personally, I'm not going to be out there soon. I have to get over these cancer treatments and not be vulnerable. <laughs> but oh, truthfully, I mean, we are... Our community is She Speaks Stories. We believe stories change lives. We believe when we're educated about something, when we're given an opportunity, when we're told needs, it can change how we decide to live out this life that Jesus has given us. And I could picture, Susan, couldn't you, us getting a, a team and coming down there, Alma, and and going over to that camp and helping you pray and visit and love on these people. I, I love that you just said dignity. We give them dignity. They're not projects. They're not, oh, I'm going to feel good about myself because I'm going to take some food to someone who's hungry. No, I'm going to obey Jesus. <laughs> and because I love him, I want to go pour love uh, those that he is brokenhearted for, that he, you know, not that he has favorites. It's not like, oh, he loves them. But he tells us very clearly that he is close to the brokenhearted. That's right. And if we want to be close to him and like him, we better get close to the brokenhearted too and be his hands and feet in reality and not just in theory you know so I don't know I don't know Susan I know I'm <laughs> I love it no I love it I think it's it would yeah I think it's beautiful I think it's beautiful I mean Alma the what you the work you're doing is so important and so yes. good and um thank you I think you're validating women that need 
validation and they need to know they matter. They need to know they're loved. And um, I just think it's beautiful. And I do think Katie, that it would be amazing to take a team of women there and um, to show women that they matter, to show women that they're loved and, and the kids. um, Oh, Susan, I could just picture some of your children's ministry kids that have such a beautiful heart and creativity mm-hmm. to reach little kids and bring yeah. joy into their lives. And we could go down there. Yeah. But I also tr- truly believe that right now, the best way that we can support is through giving Alma. I really oh, do. Of course. Because of course. I yeah. think um, as much as Katie and I would love to be the first ones there <laughs> listening <laughs> to stories because we are, we just love stories so much and to be able to, to bring such, um, just to be heard. I mean, just to listen to them and be, and for them to be heard. I think right now the wisest thing that Katie and I could probably do, um, is, and our group of listeners here is to truly search ourselves and say, how can we give towards this very good and important work? Um, because man, it, it is story driven. I mean, how beautiful is that, Katie? It's story driven. I, I know. To I listen know. for Alma to go every Monday to sit with women and to listen to their stories. I'll tell you what, God has given women such a beautiful gift of nurture. And um, it's not that men don't have it, but women really do have that nurture muscle that God has given us. And Alma, every single Monday, you are flexing that muscle. You are <laughs> nurturing women and nurturing their kids. And um, in the middle of crisis, they're sitting in refugee camps, just hoping upon hoping that asylum will be granted so that they can head across the border. And in the waiting, in the waiting, you are showing up. And mm-hmm. sometimes in the waiting is the hardest time Amen. because Amen. you just wonder, are my prayers being heard? Do I matter? Are there governments that are going to help me? Are there people that are going to help me? And you are showing up with good news and bad news because you're sitting there listening to their bad news, but you were helping to hoping to give them good news just by being present. Sometimes our presence is the best gift. And every Monday you are giving them your presence. And I just love that. I love, I love it so much. And so I do want to say, whoever's listening to this, um, we're going to put in our show notes exactly how you can get in touch with Alma because um, it is good work. And I do like, because it was convicting me that she said, Perhaps you just need to give up that one cup of Starbucks mm-hmm. and give it. And I tell you what, I have learned during this pandemic and watching a lot of um, uh, organizations, nonprofits, that most of them are asking for five, ten, twenty dollars, not anything more than that. Because if you can get an army of women and men that are mm-hmm. hearing a mission and they can give that five dollar cup of coffee, that over time adds up and it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. But and, Katie, you've got, have, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yes. And we, we urgently need your support. Uh, we are rebuilding our missionary budget and we depend completely on donations. Like I said, you know, if you were are willing to give up your, your frappuccino on our behalf once a month, it there you go. Make a difference. That would make, it a, will make a difference for us. Uh, and uh, you know, it will make a difference. For me to cover my, my living expenses, uh, we depend completely on donations. And everything goes to the, to the field. Everything goes to us as a missionary family. And uh, we live very simple. 
in, in our home, you know, uh, yeah. uh, we are, I am a recent immigrant, so uh, I'm learning how, how can I build my credit, how can I get ready to apply for citizenship, I need to yeah. save up, you know. Uh, the fees to apply for citizenship just went up. So sure. it will cost me over $3,000 to apply yeah. to become a citizen of the U.S. You're kidding so, me. You're kidding immigration, me. Immigration That's outrageous. It's extremely expensive. And I yeah. will keep you guys informed because it's very expensive. For me to get my immigration process, it costs thousands of dollars. Yeah. And thanks to people of faith that helped me and have mercy yeah. on me and my situation, that the Lord saved my life. But immigration, and I have two U.S.-born children, and it was extremely expensive. Yeah. And so as an, as an immigrant of this emerging nonprofit, uh, I can assure you that your investment on us, I'm a hard worker. I'm a fast learner. I'm a very yeah. dedicated, uh, you know, missionary. I been I graduated from Bible College in 1988. I did my missionary training in 1990. I've been actively serving cross-culturally and globally since 1990. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I am a hard worker, and yeah. I think you know, you know, what's amazing to me, Alma, is. Um, my three kiddos are adopted. And so when we had to go through the immigration process for them, um, we were astounded, astounded. And Katie, the reason I'm saying this is because you sounded so surprised. And I think the majority of Americans would be surprised at how expensive it is to gain citizenship in our own country. I mean, I really, because I was astounded. I w- when you, the way you just went, what? That's exactly what I was when my husband was bringing me these papers. And the thing is, it was expensive then. My kids have been home now uh, nine years in June. Um, in the last six years, it has skyrocketed how much it is, how much the fees are. And I want you to think about this. The majority of people seeking asylum do not have the means to pay yes. for this. That's, and that's, yet it is through the roof. And I will say this, we had to have this one document. Um, my son went, went on several mission trips when he was in high school and in college. And, uh, and he's still in college. But um, so he needed a passport when he was in high school. In order to do the passport, I had to get this one document that was called a Certificate of Citizenship. It's a COC. It is the bane of our existence in the adoption world because back then... It was expensive and it took forever to get it. And it is like a piece of gold because you cannot lose it. It proves my son's citizenship. Okay. I have friends now six years after I got mine and they're having to get COCs for their daughters, $3,000 to get this little paper that says that they are a citizen. And all, all the reason I'm telling you this is not for adopted kids because we'll figure it out. But you were talking about people that are at the border and they need to be able to move into asylum. They need to be able to move into green cards. They need to be able to move into all of these things. And the amount of paperwork and money and lawyers that it costs. Here's my perspective on this. For people to say that there is, that the majority of these people are not wise, that they are not, that they have a bad um, 
desires behind wanting to come to this country and people are accusing them of all these just terrible things. I just want to look at them and say, you've got a group of people that are desperately seeking asylum and they are fully aware of the physical cost of the financial cost and they are still doing it. We need to listen to those people because the fact that they're willing to have physical problems trying to even get there, financial issues once they even get across the border. I mean, Katie, it is astounding to me that we even question the amount that we question. I'm not saying you don't, uh, there are not people, there are bad nuts in every bunch. We know this. In every profession, there's bad nuts. There are good, there are good people. When you're dealing with uh, people that are seeking asylum, sure, you have got some people that are doing it in a way that should not be happening. They have no business in our country. But I will say this, the vast majority of them are little mamas that are wanting a better life for their daughters and their sons. And you've got some beautiful people like Alma who are sitting there giving them dignity while they are desperately trying to search for a better way of life for their kiddos. And and I think sometimes it's not even a better life. It's just life. Amen. They want to stay alive. Yeah. They've got to to flee a dangerous, life-threatening situation or poverty on a level that we can't even wrap our minds around. And they would be dead if they didn't make a different choice and this brave uh, attempt to come here. Why do we make it so hard? Yeah, yeah. It is is amazing because I had to pay for my case to start and then I had to pay for my work permit and then, you know, and the the legal residence. It goes on and on and on, yeah. uh It's it's forever. And also, you know, it's something very important. Latin American Christian evangelicals, people from the rest of the Spanish-speaking world, you know, we don't have guns. We don't, it's not normal to have guns like it's in the U.S. People don't have guns in their houses. So we just get killed. Christian evangelicals in Latin America, we just get killed by the bad guys. We don't carry our guns with us. So that's why you see in the high percentage of asylum seekers at the Matamoros camp, I would say 70% of the people are women and children. There you go. The vast majority, the vast majority. And so this is something important that we have to have in consideration. And, you know, and I repeat, I strongly believe in not only my emerging nonprofit and ministry, led by women, especially women of color. That's right. Especially women of color. That's right. It is, we are what, 00001%? You know, in this case, my nonprofit is is formed by an immigrant, by a woman, by a woman of color. So I urgently need your support. And so, yes, your support is highly, highly appreciated. That's good. Um, and and I will just keep playing so I can continue doing what I'm doing. And yes, please come and see us. Come and see us at the border. I'm I telling you, as soon as COVID is over, well, as soon as COVID is over, Katie and I'll be on an airplane down. Yeah, we're you. we're having a road trip. That we're gonna have a live crazy. down there, without a doubt. <laughs> Alma, you are a gift. We're grateful, grateful, grateful and, that and you're with us ask, today. Let me ask just one last question, yeah. Susan. Um, we we like to ask our guests if you could leave us all with one thought what would that be yes micah 6 8 the lord has asked the lord has told you what he requires of you 
to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before the Lord. Mm, I love it. Love mercy. That's the, that's the initiative of the border. Love mercy. Love mercy. You know, give mercy, practice mercy. Mercy is when even if you think they don't deserve it, mercy can be applied. That's even right. if they think they broke the law, even if you think they shouldn't be here, you can still extend mercy. That's you right. That's right. Them. That's right. You know, and that is that should be a quality for women of faith. That should be a quality right. because after all, we are women of the resurrection. That's right. We are women of the resurrection. So we apply yeah. that. And yeah. Thank you for taking the time for me, girl. No, Alma, we thank you so much for joining us. You are a delight. And I wish, wish, wish. Well, they are going to be able to see you on socials. I just want them to see how absolutely lovely you are in person, too. So I'm glad. <laughs> I can't wait for their picture to be up, your picture to be up on socials. But um, listeners, here's what I'm going to say. Um, I believe with all of my heart that God has called us to live compassionately. And I believe he's called us to extend incredible compassion, even when we don't understand situations. And I will be the first to say there are many often times that I don't understand the situation at the border. As an American, we are over here in Washington, D.C. We are removed very far from that border. And when you are not in the middle of something, you don't always have a great understanding or perspective. And I believe Alma has lent a lot of perspective in this situation today. Knowing that the majority of people that are there that are women and children and they just want a better life for their kids or as Katie said, a life. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes when we hear stories like this, it is truly the Holy Spirit asking us to flex our compassion muscles and working that because um, when something is far removed, we do not always um, have the ability or time to think often about it. And Mm -hmm. I would say we right now have time to think often about it because Mm -hmm. he's now placed this story in our laps. And I believe we say, what is my part in that? Mm -hmm. What is my part? Mm -hmm. And what is happening at the border to love women and children? Well, that right now need a little bit of dignity, a lot of dignity thrown their way. So Mm -hmm. friends, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Um, Alma, you're a gift. You're a gift, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's I know. Good to see you, girl. Yeah, it's good to see you. <laughs> we are. We're gonna. We're coming down as soon as COVID <laughs> lets up and Katie gets the go ahead to travel. We're on our way, sister. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're gonna do like you said. We do a live from down here. We can do a live, you know, from there, from the camp, and you there guys you can see what I'm, what I've been telling you. And yeah. um, thank you for taking the time, and thank you for the opportunity to share what God is doing in His mercy, you know, in His mercy. And uh, because I'm Latina, I'm Hispanic. When uh, before COVID, uh, some white people were there, some Americans and Europeans and whatever else were there, you know. They thought I was one of them because I look like them, right? So, you know, uh, I could be one of them. But in this case, the Lord has allowed me the privilege to serve them. And so with your help, I can get it done. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're, we're behind you, sister. And yeah. I mean, starting immediately, prayer. Yeah. But, um, but even, even oh, I just want to say to all our listeners, maybe today, as soon as you get those show notes with an address, 
you send what you can, mm-hmm. send what you can. 